Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. My glorious Busy Mumsies, it's official. It's been one year since the podcast launch. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm going to relish in this moment. I'm pretty freaking proud, and I have to share and say Thank you a million times over for supporting and tuning in and going on this busy mumsy journey with me. Oh, and it has been quite the journey that has led us to Uganda. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Um, I absolutely love that Adia is able to experience so much travel and immerse herself in such a melting pot of different cultures, races, religions. We're very lucky. And I, for one, have always been a huge advocate of traveling. I have done so my entire life. And I just have always believed in getting out of your comfort zone and getting out there and just immerse yourself. Well, today I am super honored to welcome Carmen Somion of the globe-trotting social media sensation, Top Flight Family. We're going to chat all things travel because that is what I love. That is what we've been doing. And this is what Carmen's platform is all about. Top Flight Family showcases the best advice, the booking tips, and all things luxury. I also really want to find out from Carmen if they've had any sort of like trip that's gone like crazy bananas, like not Instagram worthy, can't put it on the grid because, oh my gosh, I can't believe we got through it. Um, I'm sure there has been a few tailspins, but um, I love what she and her family are doing. And I just can't wait to hear why they started it, how they started it, and what's in the pipeline for Top Flight Family. So let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Carmen Sanyovi, welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm just going to tap myself on the back that I said your last name right, because sometimes <laughs> I, I I just don't do it well. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an unusual one, so. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. So please share with the Busy Mumsy listeners, where are you doing this fab chat with me from? Yeah, I am coming to you live from New York City, where um, my husband and kids were born and raised, and I've lived here since I was 17. So this is our home base, Brooklyn, New York. I mean, you just, you well, you know this, I pull up my heartstrings, because I am actually, I'm also a New Yorker as well. So it's, uh, anytime I have someone that comes on the show from New York, I, I get all nostalgia. 
And I just want to talk about, you know, all the, the, my old haunts that I used to go to, but it's, it's not going to be about that. Don't worry. We are, <laughs> we're, we're going to, this is a parenting podcast. And it's not about my, my youth back in New York. So with that said, Carmen, um, you have such a phenomenal social media platform. Uh, if you are not Thank following you. friends, please do. It's top flight family. Um, but I want to rewind back before we get into your m- incredible blogging and the business that you all, that you as a family are building. I want to go back to, and I love to hear these stories from everyone that comes on is like, when did you know that like parenting was like, yes, I want to be a mom. Yes. I want to have a family. And like, did you always see kids in your future? I mean, you're in New York city. That is a beast in itself. Yeah, so I actually uh, grew up in a different beast of a city, which is Hong Kong. Um, Ah. And even as a kid, I think I always saw kids in my future. I can't say exactly why. Um, I will say that I'm maybe not the traditional type when it comes to mothering. Um, I've never been one of those women that has like, who's like super maternal, like I didn't frankly I didn't particularly like love kids like <laughs> like other people's kids on your own yeah that, that whole thing of like oh my, my child's shit is amazing I believe that but no one else's child shit is amazing it's disgusting yeah. exactly so um yeah I think I just always thought I would want to have kids um I will say that I grew up in like not the greatest of families. And so maybe, I don't know if on like some subconscious level in my mind, it was like, you know, I I can break the cycle and do it better. Um, So it's interesting because it's complex. For me, I definitely came to parenting with, on the one hand, always having felt like I do want to have kids. And then on the other hand, still having a lot of anxiety about, am I just going to repeat these toxic cycles in my own family? And can I break out of that? And, um, well, I'm happy to report, like, I have broken out of it. So, yeah, for I was going to ask you then, like, yeah. how is your score sheet? I mean, so, like, how do you get yourself out of that cycle? Are there tips that you could share? Because, I mean, that's what this platform is all about. We, we help each other. We empower each other. Because, as you know, navigating parenting is freaking wild. You never know what the day will bring. So how was it for you to shift your mindset and your scorecard, if you will, as a parent? Um, I don't know that there's anything specific I can point to, but I think in general, there's a mindset of parenting doesn't need to be done the way it was done to you. You know, mm. that is always um, just one way someone tried their best to do it. Uh, you know, for some of us, the results were great. For some of us, not so great. So I think that's really important to keep in mind and, and also to keep in mind that like, don't feel like you're sort of cursed to continue these like cycles of generational trauma and toxicity. Like it really can be what you want it to be. And of course, I would say a very important piece of that is having the right partner. You know, if you do have a partner, um, because I think very often parenting can become a struggle in cases where couples are not on the same page when it comes to parenting. And, you know, that's not to say that my husband, Serge, and I are always on the same page with everything all the time. We, of course, you know, have our differences sometimes when it comes to parenting. Uh, But for the most part, I think 
we are on the same page with the big things, you know, of uh, feeling that we, our job is really to raise effective adults. And, you know, and also feeling that we don't, we're not prescribing a specific path for our kids in terms of career and skills. We're really more about nurturing whatever they are interested in, whatever they're talented at, and then they can kind of figure it out from there. Um, so those kind of like big things were very much on the same page. But if you have a partner where you all have like diametrically opposed views on parenting, then it's going to be a real challenge. Um, okay. So I think that's really important too. I love that you said that. And also I find comfort in that because my husband and I too, on the big picture of things, absolutely. But right now he's going through his own phase of, of kind of like, oh, she wants chocolate. Let's just give it to her and it will make it better. So we're just kind of going through the chocolate phase and <laughs> just, you know, get through the day, get through that particular moment or hour, if you will, because um, my daughter is three. Um, I know your girls are a bit older. What, what are their ages? Yeah, our daughters are 10 and 13, soon to be 14. Yeah, I don't think chocolate's going to work now. <laughs> Uh, oh, you'd be surprised. Candy still is a very effective bribery mechanism, even at this age. <laughs> I love it. Carla, I have to know, just as myself, like as a kid grew up in New York, in and out um, of there with my background with dance and training, what is it like for you navigating the wild world of parenting with two daughters in New York City? Because New York in itself, obviously, is wild and crazy and wonderful, and I miss it every second of the day. But, like, what is it now like with two of your own figuring out life? Yeah, I think on the one hand, uh, I obviously don't know anything different, right? Because we've never parented anywhere but New York City. And then also because Serge and I both grew up as city kids, to us, like, this is normal <laughs> this is the normal apartment is a-okay in my books i, I i'm yeah. with you yeah for sure i mean like our last apartment well actually our current and last apartment uh are duplexes and and the idea of having stairs in your house was like mind-blowing to me right. and search so you know just to give you some context like that to us is normal um all that said um obviously raising a family in new york city is challenging. Um, uh, the obvious thing is it's very expensive, right? Like living in the city, it's just an expensive city. That's just how it is. And so you do have to be pretty mindful about what are the things I'm going to spend money on and what are the things that I'm not going to spend money on. Um, as you can probably imagine, we are travel content creators. We love travel. So of course, for us, travel is going to be a bucket where we're always willing to spend money on it. But then there are other things that we would probably you know, spend much less than maybe other families. Um, so I think, you know, expenses is one thing. Um, but I think, you know, New York has, growing up in a city period, whether it's New York or any other big city, I think it's, I think it's great for kids because you grow up really knowing the world and not being so sheltered. You know, you grow up seeing all walks of life. I mean, one thing that's pretty unique about New York is you can have a million dollar, two million dollar brownstone right across the street from the projects. You know, like in New York, it's very much like the, the not to say that there isn't segregation in New York too, especially in schools, that's a major thing. But I think that when it comes to the social, socioeconomic classes, people are right up against each other in New York. 
And so, you know, wherever you fall on that spectrum, you tend to be exposed to a wide variety of people from all walks of life. And I think it just prepares you for the world in a way that, you know, might not be the same if you grew up, you know, in more of a suburban or rural setting. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I grew up like my early years, like in a small town. So as I aged and started to travel more and experience more, my gosh, like I feel so lucky that my parents allowed it. But then also for my daughter now, I mean, I'm in Uganda. She's going to an international school here. She's three years old in a melting pot of cultures and religions. And it's like, she's so lucky. She is so lucky to get this opportunity. And I hope she remembers it. I know she's three. She probably (laughs) won't. But what I can hope is that when she is in her teens and 20s and 30s and 40s, she can say that she had a happy childhood and that she knew that she had these, these moments from seeing pictures or videos. And it's like, it's a wonderful opportunity. That's why I, I even say to friends that still live back home in West Virginia, make sure you're getting those kids out and traveling them. They deserve to experience it all. Like there's, there's no reason to be afraid to cross the state line, if you will. Like we want to get out there and experience it. So we know what life has to offer. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to that point, you know, parents often come to me and are like, oh, you know, how do I get started? Like, I'm interested in traveling with my kids. How do I get started? And I think that sometimes the world of travel is set up to seem very intimidating. You know, I will say like straight out, like there's a lot of snobbery in the travel industry. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm a traveler. I'm not a tourist. And like, oh, if you're going to go to this place, like if you don't go here, it's not even worth it. Like throw all that crap out of the window. Like traveling with your kids is valuable no matter how far or close you're doing it. So if the only thing that's within your budget or within, you know, the the time off that you have is to do a road trip, like a half day road trip to stay somewhere that's just a few hours away from your house, do that. Because, you know, I think a lot of people think of traveling with kids as the cultural and historical element, like, oh, you're exposing them to cultures, to, you know, to the history of different countries. Yes, absolutely. Those experiences are important and valuable. But I actually think that the act of traveling with kids is the thing that builds up those really important life skills for kids of learning how to be patient, learning how to have stamina, learning how to be flexible, knowing when to adapt when situations change. You know, those are the kind of life skills that really serve kids well later in life. And you can pick up those life skills on a road trip to the next state or to fly halfway around the world to like Uganda, (laughs) where you are, right? Like the the process and the skills are the same. And so, you know, as a parent, please don't feel like, oh, I'm not able, I'm not in a position to give my kids these experiences. Whatever travel is to you at this particular phase in your life, it's valuable to your child, trust me. Even if, like I said, it's just a little staycation, that helps break the family out of their routine. It helps them get used to different environments. It's still valuable. And it's also great practice for bigger trips that you can do down the road when you have more means, you have more time off, um, you have more means to kind of support that. Carmen, where did you start? When did you start Top Flight Family? When did you want to start a travel blog? Because your calmness right now, 
and your your talk about traveling with children, which we will get further into that, there is there is something that did not match my first time traveling with my daughter. That was not, <laughs> that 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 was not calmness. But um, I have to know, like, when did this all start for you? When did your blogging journey begin, and why was it travel? Yeah. So funny enough, our journey began with actually not traveling. And so what I mean by that is uh, back in 2008, uh, my husband, Serge, he's been a lifelong martial artist and it had always been his dream to open up his own school. And so he actually opened up a karate school um, and, you know, I helped him with that. And so in the course of a few short years, we started a business together. We got married. We had one baby. Then we had a second baby. And basically we, you know, left our day jobs, like embarked on this entrepreneurial journey. And we looked up one day and we realized, wow, for three and a half years, not only have we not taken a single vacation or trip, but we haven't even taken a day off of work. And so it was just one of those wake up calls when we were super burnt out that we were like, you know what, this is not why we left the corporate world. You know, we left it for freedom and flexibility, not, be, not to be then chained to our own business rather than chained to a job. And so we kind of decided at that point, you know, something has to change. And so because we hadn't gone anywhere <laughs> in years, we had all these credit card points saved up. And so we booked um, uh, flights to Cabo uh, in Mexico and uh, booked a really nice resort there. And that was our very first vacation as a family of four. We had done a few small trips with our oldest daughter uh, when she was a baby, but this was like our first like real family vacation. And okay. Tell me what it was like getting on that flight. Come on, come on. There, was, there has to be a moment of craziness, Carmen. There has to be. Well, here's the thing. Um, now, I'm not going to say that there's never any drama on flight uh, on trips. Of course, there is. Um, but I am also a big believer in uh, traveling in comfort and style. And so our style of travel, we're very much about saving time, reducing hassle, and maximizing comfort whenever we can. So I think that a lot of people think of family travel as, oh my God, it's such a headache. Like it's chaos, like this, that. And of course, like, you know, everyone has a different budget that they're playing with. Every trip is going to have a different budget. But to the extent that you can with whatever you're working with, make things easy for yourself whenever you can. So whether that is getting to the airport a couple hours earlier than you usually might, just so that you nobody is rushing. Um, you know, things like, you know, paying to upgrade your seat to the next class up if it's in your budget, you know, sometimes you'll stumble across a great deal, jump on it. Um, you know, whether it's things like having the right credit card that gets you free lounge access at the airport. So now you're waiting for your flight in a really comfortable place and it's not costing you anything. Um, and you get free food, <laughs> which is great for kids. Um, so those are kind of like the way that we've always approached travel from day one. Um, so whether, you know, again, whether it's like a big trip or a small trip, wherever we have those opportunities where we can like skip a line, uh, where we can like have a, you know, opt for the more comfortable seat, you always kind of want to spend money on the things that save time, reduce hassle, maximize comfort, and skimp on the things that don't necessarily uh, add to that. So we might eat at cheaper places, but, you know, we'll you know, maybe pay that $50 pass to get into an airport lounge, for example, if, if we if we're not getting in with our credit card. Um, so I think those are the kinds of things that I'm very much all about <laughs> when it comes to family travel. And I think that's why our audience likes to follow us, because it's kind of a, 
you know, a lot of media uh, about family travel is very focused on just budget travel. And of course, that's great. But even within budget travel, you can find ways to make the experience a little smoother, a little more comfortable. You know, one thing that does come to mind about traveling with a child is the stigma that you as the parent need to kind of keep your child so quiet, keep your child just tucked in the corner and like, don't allow them to take space. How was it for you with traveling with two kids when they were younger? Did you feel that pressure as well? Because my first flight with Adia, I have to say, it was very much the first time we were out of lockdown. So she was very much a baby. I had a, there was maybe 10 people plus the staff on the flight. So it it didn't matter. We took up space. (laughs) But as time went on and the more and more flights that we did, you know, I allow her to take up space and I don't apologize to anyone around us because I paid for the same price ticket and she has the same price ticket. She's not on my lap. She's in a seat. So it's like, how for you, did did you find that you just allow them to take space or did you have tips? Did you find that, no, there's certain dialogue that you use that kind of helped the scenario, if you will, for the people around? I think I agree with you to some extent. Yes, uh, I absolutely am a believer that kids are, should be welcome anywhere that adults are. Obviously, you know, as long as it's not like, as long as it's age appropriate. Of course, um, we're, we're not going to Studio 54 at yeah, 11. Exactly. I, I got exactly. you. Within reason, right? Um, but yeah, I absolutely feel like whether for us, since we do focus on luxury travel, we are often in luxury hotels, we're often on business class flights, we're often in airport lounges. And there's always going to be people, especially online, who are like, kids don't belong in business class, kids shouldn't be allowed into airport lounges. But my thing is, absolutely, if we paid for it, they're allowed to be there. If the rules say they're allowed to be there, then we're going to be there. However, I will say that I, even as a parent myself, traveling with my kids, it does drive me crazy when I see other families where the kids are running absolutely wild and being extremely disruptive to other passengers and the parents are doing nothing. Like it's Mm -hmm. one thing, like we've all been on a flight with a a crying baby and that's fine, right? Babies cry. Like I don't mind that. I always travel with noise canceling headphones for that reason. But if the parent is just letting the kid cry and making no effort to comfort them, to soothe them, the parent is just completely spaced out, then I have a problem with that. Because yes, kids are should be able to take up space in all of these spaces, you know, when it comes to travel. But at the same time, we have to be uh, courteous to other passengers. We should right. show other passengers, other travelers respect, just as we expect them to respect us. And so I think as a family traveler, it is really important for you to be mindful of that. So of course, your kid is going to have a bad day, right? They're going to have a meltdown. They're going to have a tantrum. It happens. But I think how people view that um, has a lot to do with how the parent is reacting in that moment. If you're just sitting back doing nothing and just letting it happen and you don't care, I have a problem with that. However, if I can see that, hey, you're trying to soothe the child and you know they're having a bad day, then it's fine. But I think that What I see more and more, and this is not just from family travelers, this is just from travelers, period, is a sense of entitlement, you know? And it's like, there's a lot of travelers who just feel like, I'm going to do whatever I want. This is my space. I paid for it. And it's like, yeah, well, we... 
my, my three-year-old sometimes is better than, than the adult travelers. Exactly. Exactly. Which is why it annoys me when people are ragging on kids being in spaces when it's like, I can tell you on the last year of travel, all the worst behaved travelers that we saw were grown ass men, <laughs> frankly, you know, people I'm, I'm back, yep, of, of a virgin yep. Atlantic flight and that bar. I mean, it gets, it gets lit. It gets lit. And Even some when of there's us no alcohol involved. <laughs> I've seen I mean, like terrible, you know, like doing Zoom calls on speaker instead of using your headphones, blasting movies on your phone in like a quiet luxury hotel lobby. Like why? Like have some manners. Like my kids are a hundred times better behaved than some of these travelers. Um, so yeah. No, I'm so, so with you. And I have to ask because again, back to your platform, I just love it. I love the luxury travel that you all produce and you know you, your two girls are just glorious you just have a beautiful family what can you share you don't have to name names or anything but there has to be one trip that was just bananas like you couldn't control it everything was flipped upside down it's not instagram grid worthy but i'm sure it's a good story can you oh, yeah. share are you allowed, Carmen? Because I want to hear Absolutely. a story that's not Instagram worthy. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, one of our biggest nightmare trips, um, not surprisingly, went wrong all because of COVID regulations, right? I mean, COVID has thrown such a wrench into so many people's travel plans. Um, and so this was a trip that we did to Doha in Qatar. And so we were super excited because we were going to fly a Qatar Airways Q Suite for the first time, which is like one of the best business class products in the world. And it had always been on our like aviation bucket list. So we're super, super excited. So we got to the airport and we realized that we'd made a mistake in how we had done the COVID tests. I had gotten the timing wrong. I thought that it was 72 hours upon departure, but it was actually 72 hours upon arrival. So basically the negative COVID test we had were no longer valid and we wouldn't be let on this flight that we paid an arm and a leg for. And so we basically had to dash all over the airport, all over JFK to like get to the other terminal. We had so little time, even though we had given ourselves plenty of time, we had to like go to this other place, get a COVID test. We get there and they're like, it's going to take an hour and a half to get these results. And we had to be at the gate by four to five minutes. And so we were like, oh my God, should we do this? And also the test would have cost $800 for all four of us. It's like, do we drop this $800 in hopes that we will get these results in time so that we don't lose this bucket list flights that we had booked? Or do we just give up and decide, let's just reschedule this whole thing. And so Serge, my husband was like, you know what, we got to just do this. Let's just see what happens. Thankfully, the results came back on time. We barely had time to make it on the gate to the gate on time. Oh, and then also like somehow the, the tickets, we have TSA pre-check um, and yet somehow that wasn't recorded on the ticket. And so we had to also go through the regular long security line, which added to the stress, which was terrible. I'm sweating um, for you right now. I'm sweating. I know this <laughs> but I am sweating. It was, it was really, really stressful. And then um, to top it all up when we got to, so we did make the flight, thankfully. And then when we got to Doha at that time, like a week before we had left, they had designated the US as being on like the red list for COVID, which meant that we had to actually quarantine in a hotel for two days out of the five days we had planned to be in Doha, which really sucked. 
Um, so we had booked this luxury quarantine apartment, uh, which cost $2,000 for the two days for all four of us. And this place was a rundown mess. Like not only was it all worn out inside, definitely not luxurious, but they gave us two bath towels for four people for two days. And it was not even like a nice, big, luxurious bath towel. It was like one of those where it's like barely larger than a hand towel. Um, so, and then nobody ever picked up the phone. So, because we weren't allowed to leave the room, obviously, because we were quarantining, um, but no one at the front desk ever picked up. So we couldn't get in touch with anyone. So we were just like imprisoned in this room that we had paid a fortune for uh, sharing two stinky bath towels for the four of us in our luxury <laughs> quarantine apartment. I, so that I was do, definitely a nightmare. I, I do hope, Carmen, that you go back to Doha because I, I personally, I, every time I've been to Doha, I've loved it. I, I, I have to say that, you know, it's always weird and wonderful um, <laughs> and, and interesting, but um, I'm so sorry that you, I, that, that is definitely a, a non-Instagram grid worthy story. And I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, it's definitely still first world problems, right? Because we're still going right. on a business class flight, still going on a, you know, lux a luxury stay. But the point is like, if you've paid whatever amount you paid for a trip, yeah. like you want to get the most out of it. Um, and that was a nightmare. But just to bring it back to my previous point, even though this was like the single most stressful airport experience we've ever had, our girls were amazing through this. Mm -hmm. They were completely calm. They read the room so well. They could see how stressed me and Serge were. They, you know, kept like, as we were dashing back and forth between terminals, they made sure that they kept up. We didn't have to be like, come on, come on. Um, they were they very positive and upbeat. They've learned well, that I think they learned, they learned that from their travels, not specifically from yeah. me, you know, but I think that goes to show that like travel is like a muscle that you practice. And the more that you do it, the more you develop these life skills, which is like that trip to me demonstrated in, in heaps, just how much our girls have benefited from the travels that we've done. Oh, I love that. And I have to ask them, what is on the bucket list? What are the four of you planning next? Or do you want to go back somewhere? Like what is like the dream trip? Uh, I think the dream trip looks a little bit different for all of us. Uh, one of my things is- Carmen, you want to come to Uganda. I know it. I, I get oh, it. I do actually. <laughs> I want to do the isn't that Uganda? They have like the gorilla trekking and all that stuff. Yeah, in Burundi, and they have um, the climbing tigers that go up in the trees. Oh, I didn't even know about that. That's so cool. Yeah, I have to Google that after this. <laughs> it's on the list of things to do, um, and we've we've been very fortunate to do one of the um, safaris already, and it, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, definitely, we want to spend more time on the continent. Serge is actually his parents are from Benin in West Africa. Um, and so far, we haven't been to Benin yet, much to their chagrin. That was supposed to happen in 2020, but of course got canceled. Um, so we've only been to Kenya so far, which we loved. Um, but we definitely want to explore more of Kenya and, and, you know, other countries there. But for me, like one of my bucket list uh, trips is definitely Antarctica. I would love to go there. I'm very scared of crossing the Drake Passage. That's my main fear. The cold, I think I'll be fine. Um, but I'm going to have to convince Serge and the girls <laughs> to come with me. Um, but I think that would be amazing. Deal with like a tropical trip right after it. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like after that, go to like Jamaica or something. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love it. So pass the torch to that expecting busy mumsy that perhaps is going to be traveling not too long after having that first child. What are the tips and tricks that you know now as a mom that you would just love to share? What is that one thing perhaps that you hold close to your heart? Share that wisdom, please, Carmen. Yeah, I think the my main message is just go, just travel. Whatever travel looks like for you in that particular phase of your life, it's still valuable. And I think another thing that parents often hear when traveling with young kids is a lot of people will be like, oh, they're not even gonna remember this. Like it's a waste of your money. And I hate it when people say that because regardless of whether or not the child remembers, you as the parent are gonna remember. And that memory is super precious no matter what. And then also, even if the kid doesn't remember that trip, again, by doing these trips, you're building up their traveling muscles, which is going to help them not just during future trips, but also just in life and in different situations when they start new schools, when they meet new friends, when they go to camp, those are all skills that are going to really help them in life. So just go, just travel. Don't listen to the naysayers because there will always be many. Um, understand that they have their own stuff that they're dealing with and whatever they're saying is coming from whatever's going on in their minds. Um, and it has nothing to do with you. So you need to do what you, what you feel is right for your child. Absolutely gorgeous, perfect advice. Carmen, thank you so much for your time and your, you. your absolute words of wisdom and your, your just energy. It's glorious and calming. So thank you. I, I, I needed some calming today. I'm not going to lie, Carmen. <laughs> I needed your calming. <laughs> it was my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.